You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Good evening. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Thursday, the 28th of October, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. On tonight's program, it's going to be mainly focused on larger catechism, looking at the Westminster Standards, and hopefully be a blessing to your soul. Uh, there are some topics uh, that have been coming up and uh, that I plan to deal with. I, I still plan on looking at some news that is coming up in in the news and, and some of the stuff that has to be, you could say, reviewed. Um, there are a few things, but perhaps next week there's a program that I'm hoping to do on environmentalism and how I see it, it can kind of become, in certain sections, especially at the moment, a bit of a, well, it's idolatrous of the basically worshiping of nature. So um, I think a lot of things that are happening in the news right now show a an utter devotion that there is, not to God, sadly, but to the idol of the planet. Now, it's not to say that we're not supposed to take care of the environment. However, the levels to which some environmental groups, um, over here in Britain, we've got a a group called Insulate Britain that's basically gluing itself, I mean, actually literally gluing itself to the to the ground, blocking roads, and it's gotten to that degree. And I think that that would be a topic to look at. That's something I've typically had interest in before. Uh, again, nothing wrong with taking care of the environment, but this is not about that really, is it? It's going far beyond that so there's a few topics like that in the works um hopefully lord willing next week we can get it done probably even put it it will be on Megiddo tv as well and also um there's a unfortunately another comment made by Stephen verdick that i will look at soon enough um deciding whether to respond to it or not i i don't look at every single topic that's out there um with regards to you know, there's some men who I've done a number of critiques on. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm repeating myself. Sometimes the clips are so blasphemous, I don't see the point in, in replaying them again. And it gets to the point where, well, there's enough material out there and there's enough material I've put out to to really warn against certain for certain people listening to certain people. So, uh, but feel free, radio at gmail.com if you have anything that you would like me to review, to cover, or whatever else. It can be, it can just be a newspaper article or something like that. Uh, there's also some ethical issues cropping up more and more, um, regards to abortion, assisted suicide, things like that, that, um, I do plan on covering. There's, there's a lot. The thing is, there's a lot happening, and one of the reasons why I wanted to do these programs, which are based around the larger catechism, is this: that 
we need to, regardless of what's happening, be focused upon Christ. And the problem is, we say we are, we say our hope is in Christ, but we're so influenced by the world. And if we think about how much time we spend looking at the news, looking at Twitter feeds, looking at Facebook feeds, looking at all the bad news that's happening in the world, this, the world's always been sinful. The, the world has been sinful since the fall of Adam. The problem is now we're inundated with information. And when changes do come in, they're, they're much faster. And one of the reasons is the internet. And the internet in, in and of its own self is not sinful, of course, but it's like any bit of technology. It has enabled the, the spreading of error and made it much easier to do. Now, of course, it can be used to share the truth, which is the reason for this program. But we've also got to be aware that things can seem bleak, but at the same time, we're just inundated with more information than we can deal with. And so we need to be grounded in the truth are you a member of a church? Are you participating in that church? Are you helping out in that church? And that should be the most important thing, making Christ known among your community, among your people, anybody you get an opportunity to share the gospel with at work. That would be the main priority of all that we do. Now, to begin the program, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verses 1 to 11. Because what we're going to be looking at in, in the Westminster Larger Catechism are questions dealing with the exaltation of Christ, his ascension is the first question of question 53 that we're going to be looking at, and um, we're going to read some scripture. Again, this is kind of a uh, replacement for before when we used to be doing a lot of the Psalms, and the Psalms were wonderful, of course, but I just, I, I feel it's probably better to take a... a a section of scripture that directly ties into what we're looking at and that we're grounded in the scripture. So before we do so, let us pray together to Almighty God. Father, Lord in heaven, pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless those who are listening right now through uh, the, the link on the website. Pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless all those who stumble upon the program uh, on Sermon Audio. Pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless those who listen to the program later. And we pray, O oh Lord, that it would bless their souls and help them to grow closer to Christ. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, let us hear God's word. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud revealed, received him, out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him Go into heaven. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, here we have a section of scripture which deals with a number of issues. The restoration of the kingdom of God. Um, the disciples are looking at this time when, when will the kingdom be restored to Israel, I suppose, in some ways, what's in their mind is the glories of the past, the glories of the kingdom of Solomon, uh, David, etc. And there is a sense in which, yes, they should be looking forward to greater glories to come, and they should. And there is always the temptation for the Jews in the first century to to look for a return to the days of Solomon and purely to the physical removing of the the Romans from the land in such a way that, well, we will have freedom. We will have our autonomy back. We will have our national pride back. That's A lot of it was driving that in those days. And say, and and they knew that there is from the prophets a promise of restoration, undeniable in Jeremiah and Ezekiel in Isaiah, a promise of restoration right before they've been taken into exile. Well, Ezekiel was during the exile, but this promise was unmistakable. So, when is this going to happen? Did you, the the apostles are asking them, when will when will this happen? It's not for you to know the times and seasons. But you shall see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. So, the kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom will advance this way. Now, when he spoke on these things, they watched and was taken up, and the cloud received him. So, verse 9 speaks of his ascension into heaven, his exaltation. Verse 9 says this, Now when they had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And what are they doing? They're, you know, as anybody would be in some ways, in utter amazement. The fact that the Lord of glory has been taken up back into, he is in his exalted state. He has suffered the humiliation he has taken our sin. He has entered into this world which he created and suffered for the seed of Abraham. 
he suffered for the seed of the woman spoken about in Genesis 3.15. And now, he is exalted. He is glorified. He is received to right hand of majesty on high. He is, he reaches a point where heaven is in astonishment. It would be quite appropriate if we read from Psalm 24. And in Psalm 24, we read this. Lift up your heads, O you gates. This is from verse 7 onwards. And be lifted up, O you, you everlasting doors, The king and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Silah. There it see we 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 should see the humanity of Christ. He true man suffered in our place, suffered in our stead. True man must be man. And also, at the same time, he is true God. He is Jehovah or Yehovah of the Old Testament. That same God, the Lord, and that word Jehovah, the Hebrew Jehovah, translated kurios in Greek, which is the word Lord, the Lord, and that's capital L-O-R-D, usually it's translated that in various Bibles. To distinguish the divine name of God, this is He. This is He. And we can lose the sense of his glory, of his majesty. We can lose the sense of how wonderful and amazing his humiliation was, what he suffered, what he gave up for his people, if we don't also see him and think of him today in his exalted, in his exalted state. Yes, he suffered, but he's no longer suffering. He is risen, and he is ascended into heaven. He is ever interceding for us. And they are looking up into heaven. They are in amazement. Who wouldn't be in a lot of ways when you think about it? But two are standing there in white apparel. Say to him, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who is taken up to from you into heaven will will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven so in the same way in this powerful way in this visible way that Jesus is taken up into heaven he's going to return in the same way why are you standing up gazing into heaven 
Another way of saying is, go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel. There is much work to be done. But it is work in the name of an exalted, victorious Savior. His work is done. He, he goes victorious. He enters into heaven, sinless, spotless, over all his enemies, and sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is the Christ whom we serve. And I hope that as, as we think about him, that our anxiety levels as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, should dwindle away. And what we think of as important in church life should also change and fade away. Because, because we, we, we think of so many things as important. But are our decisions made on the basis of he is an exalted savior? Hiding away is not consistent with somebody who believes in an exalted savior. We are to go out and proclaim that. Now, this they were they needed the Spirit of God in order to carry out the work that they were to do. We know from the beginning of Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the, the, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, so let us go to the Westminster Larger Catechism and let us see what we can learn from God's holy and infallible word. Now, again, the the larger catechism is not our standard. It is not the standard of any church, any true church that holds it. It is the subordinate standard. The, the standard is the word of the living God. And we believe that the the, the larger catechism, the shorter catechism, the the confession teaches accurately what the Word of God teaches. So we're going to start with question 53 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. How was Christ exalted in his ascension? This is question 53. Answer. Christ was exalted in his, ex in his ascension in that having after his resurrection often appeared unto and conversed with his apostles, speaking to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and giving them commission to preach the gospel to all nations. Forty days after his resurrection, he, in our nature, and as our head, triumphing over enemies, visibly went up into heavenly, or no, highest heavens there to receive gifts for men, to raise up affections thither, and to prepare a place for us where himself is and shall continue till his second coming at the end of the world. How is he exalted? How is he exalted? He was exalted in the fact that he is ascended into heaven. 
he has that victory over, shown to be victorious, giving commission, speaking of the kingdom of God. He has gone to prepare a place for us, his people. Does not make you. It's just incredible what has been promised to God's people. Utterly astounding. But we so often take it for granted, don't we? I'm not just talking about people who relax. We all take for granted. We, Jesus. The, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of hosts, he comes into the sin-cursed world. He dies. He suffers. He is victorious over his enemies through the cross. And he is exalted. And he goes to prepare a place for us, his people. If you're a Christian, he goes to prepare a place for you. Utterly incredible to think that, you know, if you're going through a a bad day and so who cares about me? Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Lord cares about you and he goes to prepare a place for us. The Catechism references... This verse uh, in John 14.3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, this isn't all. The suffering you are facing today isn't all that there is. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you're just you just happen to stumble upon this program, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the, this world is not all that there is, but the suffering in the world to come is far worse than any suffering in this world. There's so many people who think that things like suicide and other things are ways to escape. They're not. The only way for refuge, the only way for safety, the only way to escape the miseries of this world is by trusting in Jesus Christ, resting upon him. For his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Completely different to the world completely different to the suffering. And it's not to say, by the way, that, oh, you trust in Christ, all your problems are over. I remember a friend of mine years ago saying to me, um, very aptly, um, there's a sense in which your problems have just begun when you become a Christian. The world, the flesh, and the devil is all out to get you and does not want to submit to Christ. But even in the midst of that suffering, 
and that opposition and that affliction that you face on this earth, we must remind ourselves and be reminded and be reminded by the Spirit of God that God has gone to prepare a place for us. Your home isn't here. There are people who are so comfortable in this world, they live in fear of losing what they have in this world. And there are people in this world who are, you could say, you can get to a certain stage in life and you just you look at yourself and you think, oh, I'm into, I a disappointment. But dear friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this isn't all that there is. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Whether you're a John Calvin, a Martin Luther, or someone who has... Hey, you're a believer, but... Perhaps you've made a mess of things. Perhaps your testimony isn't the most impressive. But if you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ, then you have something far greater than all the success stories in the world. Your victory has been achieved by someone else, apart from you. We're all failures, humanly speaking, every single last one of us. But Jesus Christ is victorious and is exalted and goes to prepare a place for you. He hasn't forgotten you. The worst place in the world, the saddest place in the world, is the person who thinks they're a Christian quite successful in the world. They might be quite successful in sport, in business. But, and, and they may be hugely influential, but if they don't have Christ, they have nothing. Dear friend, without Christ, you have nothing. Regardless of what else you may have, the world may be impressed by you. The church might even be impressed by you. But without Christ, you have nothing. But no matter how much of a failure you may think that you are, No matter that. You have everything in Christ. And he is preparing something far above anything that we could ask or think of or imagine in the world to come. So, regardless of what's coming down the line in the news, regardless of what may be getting you down, Regardless of what you may think of yourself, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've truly trusted in him. The devil, the flesh, everything else makes you want to give up. But our future isn't based upon our performance. Our future is based upon the performance of another, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the live program, I think, I hope it's not having problems. Um, 
my software is going red and then it's going green. <laughs> so I hope everything is going well. If you would like to email me during the program, you can do so at Megiddo Radio, M-E-G-I-D-D-O Radio at gmail.com and I can answer your questions. I'm going to have the email right in front of me. So if anybody would like to ask me questions about the Westminster Larger Catechism, I am shocked that I've only gotten through one question, but um, there's just, I suppose this things has been burdening me. I think our, we, we can look at so many issues today, what's happening in the world, what's happening in the church, what's happening in so many things. But if we have a proper view of the exalted Lord, as victorious, I think it would make a massive difference to how we engage with this world. To how we look towards the future. Because with COVID and everything else, I even hate saying that word out loud. I hate talking about it because I'm sick to death of it. The We're going out defeated. And I think the, through various means, mental health has been drastically diminished in the world, but spiritual health has suffered. Because I, I think we almost have a somewhat prosperity gospel almost kind of going on. We've, we have been sent out to do to with a, a mission to share the truth. We're here on this earth for a reason, to serve an exalted Christ. He has finished his work. He sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. We're still on this earth, and we still have work to do. And when we breathe our last breath, that's when we're finished. But whatever the case may be, because it is done as part of that seed, Christ representing us, if it is done in faith, it serves an eternal, glorious, majestic, purpose of God. But we're just going from week to week thinking about the latest statistics. We're living with such a temporal mind. Yes, there will be suffering and you comfort those who are suffering, those who are sick. Yes, we seek to help them, but the greatest help, the most important help that they, ha- they need is not being isolated from people. The most important help that they need is to be reminded of our eternal home and that this world is not all that there is. And this is not all that we have to hope for because if, we have, if this is all we have to hope for, then... Yeah, you better hold on to everything. Be afraid. Be very afraid because death is around the corner. But that is living like the world. 
as if someone has no hope. And you live as if you're not serving an exalted Christ. We live then in such a way as if we are, dare I say it, serving a Christ who is not victorious. That's the way we walk around. We, we walk around defeated when we're, when we're like that. Question 54 of the Larger Catechism says this, How is Christ exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God? Answer, Christ is exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God in that as God-man he is advanced to the highest favor with God the Father with all fullness of joy glory and power over all things in heaven and earth and doth gather and defend his church and subdue their enemies furnisheth his ministers and people with gifts and graces and maketh intercession for them so let's go through that answer how is Christ exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God? We spoke about that. What does how is he exalted in this? Christ is exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God, in that as God man, true God, true man. This is my own commentary now, not from the not from the, the larger catechism, but as God-man, he is advanced to the highest favor with God the Father. The highest position, this is my own commentary now, the highest glory, there is no diminishing here. See, on earth, there is a, he is just as glorious, but there's a veiling of his glory. It is not revealed fully, but in his exalted state, at the right hand of the majesty on high, we have the fullness of joy. There's no place where there's, gra there's greater joy than at the right hand of God with the favor of God. That is pure joy. Remember Psalm 1 speaks about how the godly man, the righteous, the just, delight in the law of God, or the teaching of God. That's another way you could, you know, the instruction of God. Another way you could translate Torah. Delighting in him. Basically delighting in the moral characteristic, the moral goodness, the moral kindness of God. Joy in beholding him. Joy, not just even being free from pain or anything like that, but joy in him. Delighting. The son delighting in his father, delighting in the spirit of God. And we can't get our heads around this. And when people don't have a sense of that joy, they'll seek it elsewhere. <clears throat> they'll seek it through drugs. Because this view of here in the presence of God, is the greatest joy. In the presence of God. The greatest joy that could ever be imagined. The greatest joy. He also, with all fullness of joy, glory. 
glory. His glory is fully shown. It says in John 17, verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And that's part of his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, wonderful window into the heart of Jesus Christ as he prays before his Father in heaven, that picture, that of the heart of God, of the desire of the Son to be with his Father, to be glorified. And where is that? At the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, to go through this, he at, in verse 1, he talks about how his hour had come, the hour of darkness, the hour of suffering, the time of his su- suffering, very specific term in, in Greek. That time had come. The hour had come. And in that time, he was going to suffer. He was going to be betrayed. We see this from John chapter 18 onwards. Perfection. When we see a king, when we think of a king, when we think of majesty, when we think of might and power... We think of amazement. We think of beauty and and, and all these kind of things that might impress us with, say, an earthly ruler and pomp and everything. This goes beyond that. This is the fullness of joy, glory, and power. The Bible talks about various regimes that has been seen throughout the world. Various regimes and and reigns such as the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, which was bigger than the previous two, then the Roman Empire, and other various empires that have come up through the ages. But in terms of power, It is a speck of dust in comparison with the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ at the right hand, exalted in this sense, with all fullness of joy, glory, and power over all things in heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Right here, right now. He is reigning at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is reigning with supreme joy, enjoying all the glory that is due to his name. He's been glorified and his power over all things in heaven and in earth. Every His power over everything he himself created. And you tell me now how that cannot impact how we live. If it doesn't impact how we live, there's something wrong. It should impact how we live how we interact with our communities, how we interact with the church and trying to encourage others because we serve this Savior, this risen and exalted King. 
And the, the answer also goes on to say, and doth gather and defend his church. He gathers his church. He defends his church. Remember what he said? Jesus said to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, apart from the other parts, but think of this. I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia. I will, get, I will build my called out assembly. I will build. Jesus builds. He gathers. He defends. He maintains and sustains. And subdue their enemies, it says in the answer to the catechism. Furnisheth his ministers and people gifts and graces. And if anybody's in the ministry, whatever, remember this. If you are in the ministry and you are truly called to the ministry, the Lord will give you what is needed to face whatever is coming. He will furnish you. He will defend you. He will subdue your enemies. He will gather your people. He will defend his church. And he will also make intercession. Think of our prayers. Do we, when we're praying, do we think about an exalted Christ who enjoys the, this full joy, this full glory, full power, and he delights to hear our prayers because of the work of Jesus Christ, God the Father, loving to hear the words of his Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I think we have lost a sense in a world that is so full of artificial joys, artificial glory, artificial power or supposed power where we think we can decide our own gender and all this kind of nonsense that we have forgotten the joy, glory and power at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we've forgotten the king we profess to go before so often. We become sluggish in prayer if we were thinking about an exalted Christ in this sense. I dare say we probably wouldn't. Question 55. So there's a few of these questions I kind of want to deal with before we finish off later but question 55 how doth christ make intercession answer christ maketh intercession by his appearing in our nature continually before the father in heaven in the merit of his obedience and sacrifice on earth declaring his will to have it applied to all believers, answering all accusations against them and procuring for them quiet of conscience, notwithstanding daily failings, access with boldness to the throne of grace and acceptance of their persons and service. Services, sorry. So, how doth Christ make intercession? Question 55 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. He maketh intercession. How? By his appearing in our nature. 
continually before the Father in heaven. True God, uh, true man, true man. Not in our sinful nature, but as our representative before him. So, yes, we are sinners. Yes, we've failed. But we have an advocate. We have a representative. We have someone who stands in our place. In whom the Lord delights. In how we can communicate and commune with our our Father in heaven. It says, in the merit of his obedience and sacrifice on earth. It's only because of that merit, what he has earned, what he's purchased on this earth, his obedience to the law, so that when God looks upon sinners, he can see someone who is just. What do we mean by that? You know that old Latin phrase, it was Martin Luther, you know, just and sinner. Both just and a sinner. And how does that work? We are sinners. We are guilty in and of our own selves. But in Christ, we're not guilty. We're washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And he sees not our disobedience, but he sees the obedience of Jesus Christ. He sees not Adam's broken covenant of works. He sees Christ's, the second Adam's, obedience to that covenant of works. He sees perfect obedience to the law. Based on that merit, based on that perfect compliance with the law, God delights to hear the prayers of his people. It's only because of that. Any sinner who dares come before the throne of God in his own name brings upon him the, the, the displeasure of God. Only then, through Christ, can anyone come to God the Father. It says, declaring his will to have it applied to all believers. So, as we saw in, as we see in John 17, he prays, the, the Lord prays for his people. Sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is truth. The Father, or God the Son, declares his will to have it applied to all believers. It says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 17, verse 9, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. It says in question 55, the answer, answering all accusations against them. Remember that it speaks of in 1 John chapter 2, is it verse 2, verse 1? No, sorry, verse 1. Against them. See, the, the devil and our enemies will hurl accusations against us. But he is the one who is our advocate. He is the one who defends us. Advocate, like you think a lawyer. He answers accusations against us in, um, it says Romans 8, 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. 
It's God who justifieth. Who can lay any charge against them? Because in the courtroom of heaven, we are forgiven. We're forgiven. Completely and totally. And procuring for them quiet of conscience. We can have a a, a clean conscience before God because of what Christ has done. Notwithstanding daily failings. We fail. But we don't go before God in our own failures. We go before God in the perfect righteousness of Christ. Access with the boldness to the throne of grace. So we have access and we can have access with confidence to the throne of grace. Remember in Esther chapter 5. When Esther is going before the king of Persia, and anyone who enters into the court risks, unless he, unless he or she receives divine favor, the scepter is laid forward, unless that happens, there is death. There's no access with boldness in our own self. There's there's a kind of a nervousness in that sense when and only because the king showed favor to Queen Esther could she come before and petition the king as we saw in Esther chapter 5. But we have reason, every reason, and not a reason to doubt as believers in Jesus Christ, no matter how long you've been a Christian, Christian five minutes, it doesn't matter. A Christian who has messed up in the past, doesn't matter. Access to the throne of grace, as long as you're a believer in Jesus Christ, coming in a name, an authority, and in his name, in his reputation, you could say, You can have boldness as you come before the throne of grace. And the answer also says, an acceptance of their persons and services. Now, our our greatest deeds are but filthy rags, okay? Anything we do, even the nicest thing we do, it is not up to the standard of Christ. It is not up to the perfect keeping of the law. So anything we do is sin. And the only way our persons, first of all, is accepted, or any services that we do is accepted before God is by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Any, anything else, and we fall short. We have to realize that. Anything that is accepted, anything that we have, any rewards in the world to come. It's going to be because through Christ, those works have been accepted. But it's only because of Christ, graciously. It says in... Let's get a scripture reference here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Ye also, as a living, lively stones, are built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God 
by Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. Only through him. He, he ever liveth to intercede for us. That's how he intercedes for us. Now, I think we're... Yeah, I think this is the last question we'll deal with today. And again, feel free, if you are just joining us, radio at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, I will do my best to answer them during the program. I'd like to keep that aspect going. Unfortunately, um, doing YouTube is just a lot of extra work, and I don't really think it's uh, it's worth it. Maybe in the future, Sermon Audio might have a chat room function. I don't know how difficult or easy that is to do. I'm, I'm imagining it's difficult to do. So, uh, and if you are listening to this and um, it is 6 p.m. Tuesday and Thursday, every Tuesday and Thursday, we get a radio, M-E-G-I-D-D-O, radio.com forward slash live. And you can listen through the Megiddo radio link on Sermon Audio. And it's just audio. Um, I just tend to prefer that. Hopefully, hopefully it's good enough. Anyway, so question 56. The last question we're going to be looking at this evening before we finish off today's program. How is Christ to be exalted in his coming again to judge the world? Answer, Christ is to be exalted in his coming again to judge the world, in that he, who was unjustly judged and condemned by wicked men, shall come again at the last day in great power, and in the full majesty of his own glory, and of his Father's, with all his holy angels, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, to judge the world in righteousness. So in his return, Christ will be exalted, glorified. It says here, Christ is to be exalted and is coming again to judge the world. He will come back as judge. Now, the first time, he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. That was his purpose. Now, obviously, if anybody rejects the message of Jesus Christ when he came, it condemned them. But they were already condemned. His, he came into the world to save the world. So that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He's coming again back as judge. When he returns, there will be no more opportunities for salvation. It says in the answer, in that he who was unjustly judged and condemned by wicked men. That's what happened on this earth. The greatest mistrial, the greatest miscarriage of justice was what, what men did to Jesus upon the earth. Shall come again at the last day in great power and in the full manifestation of his own glory, which is mind-blowing. He will come in the full manifestation of his own glory. His time of humiliation, the cross, his suffering, will be over. 
In comes the new heavens and the new earth, where righteousness dwell, the full manifestation of his glory and of his father's, with all his holy angels, with a shout. You know, the, the new heavens, the new earth will be, the new earth won't be like a brand new earth in, in one sense. It will be a renewed earth. The sin and the effects of sin will be removed. It will no longer be subject to decay. It will no longer be subject to death. It will be glorious. It will be glorious because of Christ. Again, remember we were talking earlier about the whole environmentalism thing. The earth is not doomed. The earth needs to be renewed. And the only one who can do that is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the full manifestation of his own glory and of his father's with his holy angels with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. With the trumpet of God to judge the world in righteousness. And when God, the Lord Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ returns. It will be glorious. It will be spectacular. It will be majestic. It will make all tremble before him. The trumpet of God to judge the world in righteousness. And will he not? Shown to be as he truly in his full glory. Be exalted. That's that's to come. That's our future. Yeah, today there may be threats of tyranny, and there there certainly are. There may be threats of all sorts of things that godless regimes on this earth may want to do to us. However, at the same time, that is our future. We don't know how bad the the, the short-term future may get, but for those in Jesus Christ, there is an amazing future ahead. If you've got any questions, remember, you can send them to megiddoradio at gmail.com. We'll be back again next Tuesday, Lord willing, at 6 p.m. UK and Ireland time. This has been Paul Flynn. Talk to you again soon, and may God bless you all.